Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a five-part series I am running on The Bard and Compliance, How Shakespeare Informs Your Compliance Program. I recently completed the study of some works from Shakespeare from the Teaching Company. The Teaching Company is one of the top organizations in the United States which provides first-rate college professors lectures, both in audio and video, on a wide variety of subjects. So, for instance, on Shakespeare, Peter Saccio has Shakespeare, the Word, and the Action. Mark Connor has How to Read and Understand Shakespeare. And then one of my personal favorites, once again, Dr. Peter Saccio, Shakespeare, Comedies, Histories, and Tragedies. If you're a lifelong learner like I am, you will greatly enjoy The Teaching Company. You can check out all of The Teaching Company courses at theteachingcompany.com. The podcast in this series will include How Henry IV, Part 2, Informs Lawyers and Compliance, How Henry V, Part 5, Helps You Understand Utilizing Social Media in a Compliance Program. Through Much Ado About Nothing, we consider how you design a social media program for your compliance program. We use Othello to look at the clash of corporate cultures. And finally, in King Lear, we take a look at my favorite character in all of Shakespeare, the fool, and how PowerPoints can be the death knell for an FCPA corruption investigation. It's a fascinating exploration and way for you to consider a wide variety of compliance topics. This special five-part series of The Bard and Compliance, How Shakespeare Informs Your Compliance Program, is a special bonus presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. In this episode, we consider the play Othello and the Clash of Compliance Cultures. In which play in Shakespeare's canon represents the biggest clash of cultures? Which play in this situation leads to the most catastrophic results? I would have to opine that Othello is that play. It's truly one of the greatest tragedies in all of Shakespeare. Othello, a Moor and a general in the service of the Venetian Republic, wins great honors on the fields of battles with the Turks. He also wins the hand of the lovely Desdemona. However, off the battlefield, Othello falls prey to the wilds of Iago, who convinces Othello of the infidelity of his bride. Othello then murders his wife, and then, realizing his mistake, takes his own life. Indeed, a true tragedy. There are many culture clashes going on in this play. The military ethos versus the deceit of civilian life. African tribal culture versus the isolation of life in Venice. And even the warm-bloodedness of a moor versus the chilly civilization of 16th century Venice. Yet it all leads to one thing, destruction. One of the more difficult things to predict in a merger and acquisition is how the cultures of the two entities will merge. Further, while many mergers claim to be a merger of equals, the reality is far different, as there is always one corporate winner that continues to exist and one corporate loser that simply ceases to exist. This is true across industries and countries. Witness the debacle of Daimler-Chrysler and the slow downhill slide of United after its merger with Continental. 
On the foreign corrupt practices space, this clash of cultures is often seen. One company may have a robust compliance program with a commitment from top management to have a best practices compliance program. The other company may put profits before compliance. Whichever company comes out the winner in this merger, it can certainly mean not only conflict, but if the winning entity is seen as valuing compliance, not seen as valuing compliance, it may mean FCPA investigations and possibly even FCPA violations going forward. In an article in the Financial Times, Andrew Hill focused on the fact that a potential for cultural mismatch is usually one of the first red flags raised over complex deals. There is a crying need to improve the supposedly softer side of deal-making and cut the financial and psychological cost of finding out too late that partners do not get on. It is often difficult to begin a discussion without engaging in the cultural anecdotes or even cultural stereotypes, such as the French and Americans will never get along or even appreciate how the other does business. Even such tried and true methods as observation and interview can be unsystemic or prone to bias. The problem with self-reporting surveys is that they go stale quickly and suffer from self-censorship. This is even truer when one company has an ethos of punishing those who actually answer surveys honestly or report incidents. These questions by one group can turn into a biting critique of the other. Of course, all this comes in the context of the employees from the inquired side that may be fearful for their jobs and the employment prospects going forward. I once asked a friend who was going through a takeover what it was like, and he said it was every employee for him or herself, each wondering when they would get axed. This is certainly not positive either. Yet even when working towards merging cultures in a systemic manner, companies make missteps. Think here about Hewlett-Packard and its acquisition of the Houston-based company Compact as a classic example. The two entities literally poured hours into their due diligence on their contrasting cultures before the deal was complete, which included 138 focus groups consisting of 127 executives and 1,600 staff in 22 countries, yet they could still not get it right. The compact culture of value of keeping in touch with all employees through routine reports on what projects they were going through was seen by HP as micromanagement and that the employees were not trusted. The quandary of how to deal with cultural clashes is an ongoing problem during any acquisition. The language used in internal emails, for instance, can demonstrate where a trajectory of culture is, where it may be going, and where it may end up in the new entity. Such studies are not only valuable for those building, but they can tell managers about subgroups within a supposedly monolithic organization. This is all the more important with the compressed time frames required after an MA deal to complete the acquisition. Here you can think that the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, the opinion release 0802, the so-called Halliburton opinion release, and the two enforcement actions, data solutions, data system solutions, DSS, and Johnson & Johnson. The timeframes are tight. Under the Halliburton opinion release, there was requirement for an FCPA audit to identify high-risk agents at 90 days, medium-risk agents at 120 days and low-risk agents at 180 days. 
there was a requirement for <coughs> compliance implementation of the compliance program immediately upon closing. And finally, 0802, the Halliburton opinion release required training on FCPA compliance programs within 60 days for high-risk employees and 90 days for all others. Under the J&J opinion release, excuse me, the enforcement action, the FCPA audit had to be completed in 18 months. There had to be uh, implementation of the J&J compliance program on the target company within 12 months, and then there was 12 months to complete the training. DSNS changed these a little bit to make it, quote, as soon as practicable, end quote. However, the problems clearly articulated are time. If you do not engage in pre-acquisition due diligence, you won't know what you're getting. And always remember, if a company is engaging in FCPA violations after an acquisition, it is no longer them who are engaging in the FCPA violations, but you. So these frameworks make clear that the clash of cultures in any merger from the FCPA, or rather compliance perspective, are that you must investigate, perform due diligence, then adequately remediate as necessary. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bard and Compliance, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for our final part in the series where we take a look at King Lear, his fool, and PowerPoint presentations. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this special episode in my five-part series of the Bard and Compliance, How Shakespeare Informs Your Compliance Program. It is based on a series of lectures that I listen to from the teaching company on various aspects and topics of Shakespeare. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This special series on the Bard and Compliance, How Shakespeare Informs Your Compliance Program, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.